And the beautiful thing about real estate investing is it's like a piggy bank because somebody else is paying off your mortgage. You're pulling out your initial investment when you do the Burr method. So let's say you put in $120,000 into a home and you renovate it, and then you can pull that money back out and purchase another home. And you hold. So you create passive income for when you, you do retire. I mean, in real estate, if you're doing well, you don't necessarily want extra income because your taxes are going to go up. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey leaders, really excited today to bring a young, incredible leader, uh, Jamie Bongard, Jamie Mitchell, uh, and uh, uh, she is um, a leader of Keller Williams. Uh, so basically it means that she's uh, head of the brokerage for Keller Williams in Barrie, which she co-founded, and Keller Williams in Toronto. She's responsible for hundreds of agents, um, and is running a enormous, enormous business in her early 30s. Uh, she spent a number of years with us, is, is really just an incredible dynamo, fantastic energy, fantastic values. Um, and she is in this podcast going to describe a, a number of books that she's read that have made a difference, a number of the values, and a number of the, the um, key things that they're doing at Keller Williams to really separate their organization as one of the most powerful and most successful real estate organizations in the world. I know you're going to love this podcast. And um, I have just one request for you. If you know of any amazing young leaders, please send them to us. Uh, studentworks.com. Uh, we've got an amazing management program uh, that will really help set them apart like Jamie was um, years ago. Uh, if you have any feedback for me or want to send them directly to me, you can reach me at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. Thanks so much. And I really appreciate you tuning in. And I know you're going to love this podcast. So, Jamie, uh, welcome uh, to our Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. For having me. Well, that's awesome. So, so um, think back. Tell me what you were like before our program. Okay. So I was about 17 before I found out about student works. And yeah. I would say I was always a motivated and driven person, always eager to kind of do my own thing. I would say I was a bit free-spirited. Um, right. And I liked being challenged and wanted more than just sitting in a classroom, reading a textbook, knowing that I'd spend my summers at an hourly job. So prior to student works, I told my parents, I'm going to go and train polo horses and be a lifeguard. Like I was just doing stuff that I was passionate about, but I wanted something. I wanted to be a leader. Right, right. Yeah, no. And I guess I guess at 17, we found you very, very young at the University of Western Ontario. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. So so um, so what was your biggest frustration as a teenager before you got started in business? Honestly, having rules and regulations 
and not being able to just do my own thing. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. Um, so, um, so it, and, uh, what do you still rely on from the program and for your, your years at student works? So I think one of the biggest things is the habit that it started to form as mm-hmm. a young entrepreneur in charge of my own schedule. I quickly had to create habits that were going to stick. And yeah. I wrote some stuff down just around things that I still use today. Um, I think the biggest one is actually a skill door knocking. So lead right. generating. Um, yeah. Business thrive when you're generating the new business. And I learned very early on that simple habit is what creates businesses and training that to others and creating consistency in that habit has been what um, brought me to where I am now. And it sounds simple, but it's not easy to get up and go and knock on people's doors and ask them for business. So that was one of them. Uh, Another one is recruiting. So once I got um, more involved after a couple of years with you guys, learning to recruit and bring new people into the business. I'm doing that now in a bigger way. And that that stuck with me. Um, Also a habit and now kind of feels natural to have those conversations. Another one is money and budgeting, um, both personally and professionally. You guys helped me form that habit where I'd monthly bring in my numbers. We'd review them. And now it's funny. I'm with a company where we close our books monthly and we have to transmit to our international headquarters. And I'm on it. Like I play red light, green light with my budgets. I know my numbers. And I think it all stems from what I learned with student works. Um, no, that's being profitable yeah. and watching that net. That's 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 awesome, and 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 so um, we'll we'll come back to some of those those you know really critical habits because I know uh, as you mentioned in your career these are things that are are really that you're doing. So why don't you why don't you tell our young leaders about your career progress? Okay, sure. So my career progress, I basically did. Um, if I'm time planning this correct, I think three to four years with student works, where I went from running um, my franchise out of the Newmarket Aurora area. And then I became a district manager, I believe, overseeing a few other students. And then I became, I think it was a GM, but I don't actually remember. It was so long ago. Well, and um, one of the things, one of the things as well is, 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 you know, we basically stopped the whole general manager title. Now we just, everyone's a district manager or, okay. you know, like, so that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why it's like, what, what's a general manager different from a gen- district manager? Yes, that's right. But you were with us, you know, for yeah. really successful years. I think at the end of it, I was um, helping others. And I mean, it was so exciting for me to see I think three of the top five in the company at that point were from my team and going from watching them in their first year of university, being all nervous to running these thriving businesses and seeing where they are today. It's an exciting piece of it. So from there, I actually went on a trip that changed my life. I met my husband in Beijing. I, uh, I then decided to, sell my investment property that I owned in London that I bought 
while um, being with Student Works Painting, I had enough income to put into an investment. And I got my MBA out in Switzerland. And part of that was, again, looking for a different type of master's in business. I did a philosophy degree in Western, not intending to, but I got sick at school for a little bit and they didn't do the undergrad in business I had hoped for. And I got to my master's in leadership and the service industry in Switzerland with a huge multicultural environment. People from all over the world were at this. And then from there, I was offered a position in Zurich um, working for a recruiting company, actually, and I found out I was pregnant. I then decided to launch a Keller Williams office with my mom. I went to the headquarters in Austin, Texas and learned about it. And we launched a Keller Williams office in Barrie, Ontario, and I did the recruiting. Um, And then I was back in Zurich for a couple of years. I came back to Canada. I'm trying to think of the exact year, but it doesn't matter. Probably five years ago now. I got a real estate license. I got actively involved right away in downtown Toronto in actual real estate sales. I sold about 33 homes in my first year and a bit. And um, once again, I hit the roads. Like I didn't even know the street names of the places that I was selling homes on. And I got to know the neighborhoods by door knocking. And that's where I generated my business. So all these habits coming back and making such a big impact in my life. And then my my mom offered me the position of what we call a team leader. Others would right. refer to as the CEO. So right. we call it team leader CEO. And I was the team leader of the Barry office. Um, right. And then after I had my second child, my mom got sick. And I immediately took over probably five to 10 years prematurely both of the offices. So Toronto, which is called Keller Williams Advantage Realty Brokerage, as well as Barry. And I'm what's called the operating principal of both of those market centers. We call them in Keller Williams lingo in proper real estate lingo brokerages. Brokerages, exactly. About a total of 300 combination of agents and employees. Wow. Wow. So so just to just to back up a little bit to catch up our our young people. So selling thirty three homes in a year is fantastic. Like that's you know, and and this doesn't surprise me at all because Jamie Lee was just a rock star performer and everything she did at our business. So it doesn't surprise me that she went and did that. Like that's just an enormous volume for one single agent, right? Especially in your first year, that you know, and especially at such a young age, because a lot yeah. of times. It was closed units within my my year and a half. So I did basically within a year because when I got started up and got my license and everything was official, I did that within a year. By the time they all closed, a duration of a year and a half happened. I was rookie of the year at the office. Um, Right. It was a quick whirlwind. I mean, it was a crazy. But yeah, (laughs) it's a lot lot of business um, to do. Yeah. And for Keller Williams is is literally the largest real estate organization in the world um, by a a number of the factors that you might look at it. Um, And but but they're not as they haven't been around as long in Canada. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about Keller Williams and what their brand is? And I know you're 
your mom was one of the principals to, to bring Keller Williams to Canada. Yeah, um, she got involved in a very early, how do I say this? She was involved at a very early stage for sure. She came in, became the regional director for the company and just saw this opportunity. I think part of it was culture, part of it was profit share, part of it was education and training. And right. a huge part of her where the values were very much in line with her beliefs. And right. I think that the company has so much to offer. And it's literally, I, I kind of picture it like this tidal wave. We're so little still in Canada. And we're at that cusp, that breaking point, where once people realize what the company does offer, going to open up um, great opportunities for future leaders that don't just want to be in real estate, but want to run businesses. Right, right. Yeah, just because, you know, um, one of the things that I, um, we have had so many successful past operators in real estate, in, in, in commercial real estate, but especially in in uh, residential real estate. And so we have we have um, uh, these real estate agents under and brokers under different um, you know, different uh, brands. And so, so if you were to compare and contrast the brands, you know, just, just for a young person looking at, well, gee, what brand should I look to? You know, what, 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 what are the reasons why Keller Williams um, is, uh, is a real standout? That, that would be really helpful, I think, for our, our, our leaders listening to the podcast. Okay. So I think that first thing that comes to mind, I would say, is we're a captive model company. And what that means is you often see in different brokerage models, well, you'll pay a 90-10 split or an 80-20 split on your commission until you hit a certain point, and then we'll slide it back to 95-5. Okay, so let's say you get a $10,000 commission check, 20% goes to the brokerage until you hit a certain point in gross commission income, and then they'll slide it to 95-5 for the duration of that year. Okay has what's called a cap and the neat concept there is once you cap you go to a hundred percent commission to you as an agent so wow. instead of continuing to pay that 95 five you then go to a hundred and zero um, the other piece is we have what's called profit share so that's the second neat thing and there's so many people that don't understand, even Keller Williams agents, that don't understand the impact or the greatness of this. Right. In a typical brokerage model, the owner keeps 100% of the profit. They keep, they make the risks. They're running the right. business. They get the right. reward. Makes sense, right. right? Yeah. In Keller Williams model, we've signed on to a franchise agreement that says we're going to reward those that help us grow our businesses. So we keep as owners approximately 52% of the profit each month. And every month when we close our books at month end, we send our numbers to international and they calculate what's called profit share. And there's different levels to it. And essentially, we're taking about 48% of our owner profit that month and sharing it back to the associates that help grow our brokerage. Now, a beautiful story about this is a woman by the name of Linda McKissick. She's unreal. And Gary Keller, who is one of he's the owner, private owner of Keller Williams, um, right. kind of challenged her and said, you know, Linda, you've done a phenomenal job leveraging your real estate business. She was on this panel and Everyone was asked, how many hours a week do you work? And there were a bunch of hot shots up there. And 
they were proud to work 30 or 20 hours a week. And little Linda says, well, I work about three. And people were what? How wow. do you work three hours a week and run a multi-million dollar real estate business? And she said, well, I hired someone better than me to replace myself so I could spend more time with my family. And then wow. Gary Keller challenged her to become the number one profit share earner in Keller Williams. And all she started to do was um, work on explaining to other real estate agents how this business model has changed her whole life and right. her children's lives. And um, now her and her husband last year had over a million dollars in profit share. Wow. As agents. Uh, uh, she's, a, she's an inactive but very active real estate agent, meaning she's leveraged her real estate business. Someone else is running it. So she still has a real estate business income. Right. From her um, profit share is the piece that comes out of uh, the owners sharing their profit by sharing the story about Keller Williams to others and helping them grow their business. So her and her husband earned over a million dollars in profit share last year in 2018. So it's amazing. I mean, um, we're an open book company and all of those numbers are published. So it's not private and people are pretty open about sharing those things, which I think is also wonderful that we don't have secrets. We can't, Net because we close our books every month, and right. uh, an awesome model to run a business on. Um, the other piece I would say that's very different is we have a piece of our company that's called KW Cares, um, and it was started by Mo Anderson, who was the CEO for Gary Keller, and she's a dynamo. She's 82 and still an amazing, phenomenal leader, and someone I aspire to be like <laughs> at some point in my life. And she, uh, every year we have a thing called Red Day. And what it is, it's her birthday. And every associate within the company worldwide takes the day off work to give back in their local community. So we have done things like refurbish shelters, um, make schools look nicer and do fun days for kids that don't have much, um, pay for their lunch, whatever. But we also have a, a fund within our international office, as well as our local offices, that's held and donated millions of dollars through this fund are donated every year to people who need it, both locally and globally. So there's a huge giving back portion that our agents are very involved in and really, really passionate about. Um, One of the things I dreamt up just last year was, you know, we've got thousands and thousands of people selling their homes with us. And I'm sure lots of people get dumpsters and throw out tons of stuff. So we opened up both our locations to collect coats and old clothes. And we donated hundreds of clothes to kids in the inner city that were outside on a day when it was minus 15. And I had a pastor of a church, his name's Jim, call me and say, hey, your office has collected any coats. And we washed them all. And the kids got coats and boots that day. Like we, they just, the agents get involved and do such cool initiatives. And it's, helps to build culture. Yeah. Uh, another huge part is training and educating. And that I know is something that you're very passionate about, Chris. We Absolutely. have a training calendar every month. Um, there's huge events in, uh, held internationally. I'm going to one next week called Mega Camp. And we're always sharing information and working with each other to help our businesses grow. Um, this is just one month's training calendar. I don't know if you can see this for our Toronto office. Right. And, like, there's always something to attend for free. 
Fantastic. That's the way we operate. Um, agents train on what they're really great at. There's Keller Williams International University, which are actual like course programs that you can also take and all levels of training right from when you get your license all the way through to when you're doing 800 plus units a year as a mega agent. Um, there's always room for growth. Um, and I'd say the last and most relevant piece is the technology. I mean, our world is changing. Uh, Gary Keller and Josh team are at the forefront. That's our new president of the company. He is amazing. And they've developed a platform called Command that is top of the line. That's all they're doing 24 hours a day at our international office is getting a platform that is a database as well as a lead generating platform. Um, to help agents thrive in this changing time. And Gary Keller, that is, he's very aware of the change in time. He reads books on it and encourages us to keep up with what's happening with technology. And the next shift is that tech shift. We've got to learn it. We've got to stay as best we can up to speed um, and adapt. And that is a huge piece of, of the training component as well as what is available as a platform for our agents to use as Keller Williams agents for free. Um, I mean, the average agent is spending about $1,000 a month on a fully enhanced database slash lead generator that captures leads. And this is a free program here is creating for all of our agents worldwide. Fantastic. Wow. Wow. And it's, it, you know, to me, it's like, you know, um, all four of those things our organization spends an enormous amount on. You know, we have an enormous, I was telling you before the podcast about what we've done with Simon and just how much better it is and, and we're continuing to enhance it. You know, certainly not leading edge as much as, as Gary, but for a student, student uh, uh, leadership business, it's pretty amazing. And then giving back is so powerful. You know, it so improves the culture, you know, as you mentioned already, training and then the results economy. You know, how can people... Uh, you know, share profits, do better, you know, grow and develop and and where again, just the sky's the limit. Um, you know, one one question that I get quite often is is the disruption in the in the real estate business and and just you know where commissions are going and how does how does Keller Williams look at that? How do you see that? Like, you know, um, my sense is 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 that you know real estate agents provide so much value. But what do you what what do you see in a decade in two decades? Do you see more disruption in the real estate business, or how do you see that? You know, I it's not a fear tactic; it's a reality tactic. More people are starting their search online and want everything in the palm of their hand, but people still want that customer service and that personal. Um, how do I say this? Personalized experience when they are ready, right? Right. So yeah. this is what uh, Gary Keller is creating. It's a platform where you can download the agent app and it gives you basically MLS, a branded version as the agent to give to your clients so that they daily, weekly, or monthly, however they want to set it, will get right to their phone, all the homes that sold around them or in the neighborhoods they're searching, the sold prices, the list prices, what schools are in the community, the ratings, it'll all be on your app, branded as the agent through Keller Williams. And wow. then that will predict for the agent what it is that your customer is searching for, and it will let the customer know what is most relevant to their search if they're buying, or what is right. most relevant to them in their home sale. Um, and it's kind of like a net 
Netflix, really. I mean, Netflix knows what you want to watch next. And yes. <laughs> agents, we're going to know what you want to see next. And we'll be able to contact and be in touch with our with our clients based on what it is they need. So right. we're zoning in from a service level on what our clients want. And then we can reach out when the time is appropriate so that we're not annoying or pestering them. But that's the biggest deal is over 90% of people are starting their search online and continuing. And within five searches, they're purchasing a home. And I met these four guys joining Keller Williams from Brazil who actually developed an app themselves because they feed leads to their agents. They have a 500 person office. And they said they've tracked it, like they know their numbers and the world is moving to be simpler in a sense, but more complicated in the back end. Yes. Everyone wants, everyone wants things quick, right? And if you get yes. to be quick, they're going to call you. So I think the more presence we can get online and that's what Gary's working towards. There's a couple books. Um, Thank You for Being Late by Thomas Friedman what to do when machines do everything. They're books that talk about what's happening now and how to stay in alignment with all the change. It's, it's almost impossible for us as humans to stay in alignment with the rapid pace that artificial intelligence is moving. I, uh, I 100% agree. So, 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 uh, with that and, and, um, I was making notes. I, I love Thomas Friedman. I've read so many of his books. I did not know he had a new one. So that's great. Thank you for being late. So, so, um, so I know one of the things that, you know, you, you started about earlier, you were saying a few of the things that you, you do, um, and you learn back at student works and, and a huge part of your success now for your organization is, is door knocking and, and, uh, recruiting. So, so what, what sort of things have you leveraged around door knocking or, or, or sort of encouraged or what sort of ways are you, are you, are you, are, you know, are you, are you focused in that area, Jamie? So for me, I went from an agent to now then a team leader where I was recruiting and now an operating principal where I'm basically on a macro level watching everything and holding people accountable. So it's three very different roles and I've used all of them in different pieces. Yes. Um, the first piece as an agent, just an example, my husband just ranked in July, I think number 18 or 19 in all of Canada for individual agents. And he knocked on 27,000 doors last year. He walked wow. from Aurora to New York City and back in walking distance and door knocked consistently. And his business results are showing what you know, I mean, wonder if he looks so fit, by the way, on Facebook. Yeah. I wonder, you know? Then <laughs> barely spoke English when I met him. And now wow. knocking on strangers' doors, which you do not do in Switzerland. Like that is not cool. That's a habit that I showed him when I moved here. He's like, yeah. I can do 700 doors a week. I got to up my game. So yes. it's a habit. You wake up. I was going to the gym um, probably four days a week. I wake up. I start my morning. I read something. I pray. I leave my house, I go for a run or workout. I'm not always perfect, like I miss sure. weeks, but sure. um, no one is and we're always working towards that. But I think it's a healthy way to get your mind activated. I have two kids, 
if I don't wake up before them, I don't get any time to myself during the day. So I leave the house um, after my workout and then I would, as an agent, I would door knock right away. Nothing else before it. My phone was turned off and I would get my lead generating and my workout done before the, before noon. Um, And then as a team leader, I changed. So that was the CEO of the very office. I changed my habit from going out and knocking on doors to going into the office and calling other agents to see if they'd like to come and talk to me. And I would right. call them and ask them, so um, did you know that your business increased by 75% year over year? Like I'm not a stats person, but I hire others that are to yeah. make it look good. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I just, I get the numbers because it's important to know what people are doing so that when you meet with them, you can discuss with them where they're at now, where they want to be, and find out what this company can do to help them get there because you genuinely care about their success. And that's the place I come from. Um, so as the team leader, I, I grossed 61 agents. So I added 61 agents to the very office during my year there, um, wow. which is a good number, but it wasn't me working full tilt. I was kind of right. not fully on that year. And then um, the year and a bit after that, I became the OP. And now the habit, I'm, I'm reformulating it because I, I don't quite yet have what is my lead gen piece of this. You know, it's yes. a new role for me, newish, and I'm still trying to lock that habit down. Um, I'm also between Barrie and downtown Toronto, so drive time. Yes. And, yeah. A lot of yeah, a lot of responsibility, but but you know, again, for our leaders, again, just listen to what Jamie's trying to do is, hey, what's the biggest impact she can have on her business to drive the number and to drive her team's numbers so that people earn more profit, are happier in the roles, and deliver more value to their clients, right? So it's it's always you know it's trying to make the complex simple, right? You know, it's trying to make the complex simple. So so as a real estate agent, you know, Jamie said, hey. Um, if I just go talk to a whole bunch of people every morning, um, and like your husband does, it's like every morning, well, that's going to drive a whole lot of sales, you know, and, and it's really simple. It's not easy, <laughs> right? It's not easy. Lots of people don't do it. Uh, but, but when you do do that sort of thing, you get, get, get incredible results. Yeah. And it's kind of one and one a, I mean, when I started to door knock more, I went, holy cow, all these people want to talk to me and I'm not properly following up with them. So one of the best books I've ever read, and I think anybody could read, well, two books. They're both written by Gary Keller. One is called yeah. The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, and it's a red book. Mm-hmm. And he talks about lead gen and lead follow-up. Um, he talked to the top agents in the industry and figured out what they did. And I think right. there's a lot to be said from learning from people who are doing things at a high level. And I, I like to go further than that. I want to spend and be around people who have thriving relationships. Like for me, this isn't all about money. Um, thriving relationships, people who are positive and happy about their life, people that are, I guess, learning constantly and running the business that I would like to run to attract people to. And it's finding out what is that thing that I need to be doing every single day so that the business can continue to grow so that I have more time with my family and I can make a bigger impact on other people. 
people's lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. One of the things that you know, you said is, is, you know, Hey, money isn't everything. Money's really just one of the things, you know, and, and, and the thing is once you actually get that, I can make a bunch of money, then it becomes just one of the things. Right. And then, like you said, Hey, I want all these other things. And, and I, and they're, they're in fact more important, right? Hey, how can we impact our community? How can we have great relationships? How can we make sure our home life's great? You know, all those sorts of things that really make your life, you know, amazing. You know, uh, um, so so again, earning more and more money, it's it just becomes a number, uh, you know, at a certain point. So so I totally I totally see that. The, the other thing you talked about was recruiting, and I know an enormous role that you, you've taken on is is just you know recruiting amazing people to your team. So what are you thinking about when you're recruiting, and 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 how does how does Keller Williams really focus on on recruiting the best people with the, with the right values? Yeah, I mean, you want people of the mindset, high integrity, win-win, but don't just say that, they actually do it. Um, right. Absolutely important to us, and we have turned people away that are not a match, um, that would add a lot of profit to our company. And I, there's a lot to be said for that, because you want to make sure you're getting into business with the right people. Um I think that through recruiting, what I've learned is if you genuinely care about what it is they're trying to do with their business and you, someone described this to me, like it's, it's kind of like you're sitting with someone and you're asking them a bunch of almost borderline too personal questions, but unless you get real, you're not going to get anywhere. And so right. you find out where, that, where they want to go and what they're currently doing. And then you kind of leave it and you meet again in a week or so and you put together what I call a growth plan so that you can look at what the big nuts are in their business that they're not currently doing that you can feed into with some of the things you have as a company that can help them go from where they currently are to where they want to be in the future. Um, And I think if you can find that out and genuinely help people be in a better place in their lives, you're both winning. And that's where it comes back to a win-win, right? You don't want to recruit people or bring them into a company that makes no sense for them. 100%. Yes. And and, and you're right. You know, uh, um, actually, it's funny enough, I was talking to my son, one of our leading district managers about returning someone to the the program, you know, is looking, should he come back for his fourth year or not? And there's a bunch of school things. And you know, about whether it would fit. And, and in the end, he's going, it just doesn't sound like it fits. You know, it's just like, hey, he's got this going on or that going on. It's like, 
okay, great. You know, so it doesn't fit. You know, that's awesome. We had three amazing years uh, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, you know, it, it looks like it doesn't fit and that's great, right? You know, rather than seeing everything as a scarcity model and let's get everyone possible when ultimately it wouldn't be a win-win. It wouldn't be something that would end up working. So, so I, I, I can't, I, I so agree. So um, when you, when you look back, do you have any, you know, big failures or mistakes that you, you look at that have, that have impacted and, and you've, you know, got uh, learning from? Oh my gosh, I have learned so much. <laughs> I think, <laughs> uh, first off, when I was 17 to get involved in a business, I think my parents were like, holy cow, this girl is, <laughs> who knows what she's doing. My biggest hesitation, and I think this might come up again, is um, how am I going to drive and run a business when I'm doing school in London and trying to operate something out of Aurora? Like, how is that going to work? And then seeing the money come in, um, I probably went shopping too much. I think I could have been wiser with what I had when I had it because I didn't have the extreme expenses that happen as you have children and have a family and real life happens. (laughs) I think if I, and I mean, you could buy a house in London for 120,000 with 5% down. That's nothing. So to think about that now makes me want to throw up a little bit, but I think that's one of my big regrets just in terms of your planning and wealth building. I mean, I got to buy one. It paid for my MBA in Switzerland. So there's no regrets there, but I would have done more. And there's um, learning from that. And I I would still encourage that mindset to be wise with what you have when you have it. Be grateful for it. And um, always be playing red light, green light with your finances, both personally and in your business. Right. Because I know people who earn over a million in gross commission income and make less than an agent that earns 200,000 in gross commission income because they're not watching their expenses. And that's just sad. Like, why are you running rampant and not zoning in on that stuff? And lucky for me, I learned that at 17 running a painting business. So (laughs) I learned at a very early age. I think it's critical that. Even still, now I'm doing it monthly in our personal, and people think I'm hilarious. Even my accountant, who he's one of the best accountants in Canada, looks at my charts. He's like, "Don't show that to my wife," because <laughs> it's important to know. It's important to know what you make and keep your eyes on things, and also continue to have fun. Yeah. Um, I know for me, spiritually, my life has changed. I had a huge wake-up call when my mom got really sick. My kids got really sick. We had a beautiful miracle healing, as I told you about. And life can change in a flash. And I think to live each day in the present moment is so critical. Like when someone's talking to you, listen and don't talk over them. And always genuinely try and focus on caring for the people and making sure they know how you feel about them while you can. Um, That's been a huge, huge life changer for me, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's, that's wonderful. Um, You you know, again, I I think I'll, I'll let the, 
the the really serious personal stuff that matters so much, right? Your kids and your mom and just I'll let that I'll let that move on from our podcast. Um, and I totally get that. Like that's just so uh, so 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 amazing. What what uh, um, everyone's healthy and that's that's what's that's what's amazing and that's uh, that's that's fantastic. And one of the things for our leaders, I know you mentioned in our in our conversation about a burr method about about looking at real estate long term and and I, I I thought it would be really wonderful to share share with our leaders who again are working hard looking to make an impact and then all of a sudden that means if you're making an impact in the world it means you're going to create value in the world it means you're going to create money in the world and then what do I do with that money so Jamie what what should they do with that money well um, my parents have always been really passionate about real estate investing, so I was lucky enough to grow up in that home and learn about it. They came from investing, so they've really made a goal of what they've learned about real estate and then investing in it. And to add to that is the Burr method, which my parents didn't so much do, but are starting to do with some of their older properties. And it's um, you buy a home, you renovate it, you refinance it. You rent it out, or actually you rent it out and then refinance it because you'll pull more equity out. And then you can use that equity to purchase another investment property. And the beautiful thing about real estate investing is it's like a piggy bank because somebody else is paying off your mortgage. You're pulling out your initial investment when you do the Burr method. So let's say you put in $120,000 into a home and you renovate it, and then you can pull that money back out and purchase another home. And you hold. So you create passive income for when you you do retire. I mean, in real estate, if you're doing well, you don't necessarily want extra income because your taxes are going to go up. So to have that money all sit and pay off the home that you purchased creates a huge stream of passive income. And if you take a look at the value of properties in Canada over the course of time, even when there is a recession, they always go back up over the 10-year period. And it right. far exceed the previous level. Um, I mean, even for me, property in London that I owned for three years, I pulled out a hundred and something thousand when I sold it in a very short period of time, and I never had to pay rent when I was at university as a student. And now, watching my parents, they've been able to, through the real estate investing, um, purchase many homes or doors or whatever you want to call it, um, refinance and renovate some of them but they hold them and they use the equity to purchase more when they feel it's appropriate. So it's a huge opportunity. I have a very good friend who has a commercial property um, in downtown Toronto that she uses the base of and upstairs she renovated to be four Airbnb units, 500 square feet each, and she's pulling in over 13,000 a month on that property. Um, She did it on a whim, taking a chance and it's right. And pretty awesome. So there's all different kinds of ways to invest in real estate and more and more people who I speak to who have built up passive income have used real estate as a tool because everybody needs a place to live. Yes. And, and, and our country uh, continues to have more and more immigrants coming to this nation, which is wonderful. And that creates a, a growing demand, a consistently growing demand uh, for real estate. So yeah, it's, 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 it's over time. That's something that's very, very apparent how, 
you know, real estate continues to grow. Will there be bumps? Yes. Don't over leverage uh, list leaders. Our young leaders don't over leverage, you know, uh, and there's lots to learn, um, you know, uh, uh, to, to do it right. And there's there's lots of potential, you know, hazards, et cetera. But, uh, you know, it is a great area of focus for sure. Um, so, so um, you know, if someone wanted to do what you do and what key habits would they want to steal from you? What's the secret to your success? Hmm. Well, I think always be learning. Um, like I said, I wake up, I read, um, I, I love to read and I love to read books that are real and from people who I aspire to be like. So I don't just read fluffy stuff. I want right. to know that the leadership books I read, like John Maxwell, Leadership. Um, yeah. Friedman, the people that really put a lot into what they're writing and they've got proof in the pudding are those are the kinds of books that I love to read. And then creating those healthy habits like eating right, going to sleep on time, working out, um, making sure that you, before you start your year in October and November, I'm planning when are my family vacations going to be? What does my year look like? What are my goals? And I, I do that first. So I put in my family stuff first. And For sure. I put the rest in and I create, um, I mean, we've got all kinds of tools with our company now. So it's become this whole inside logo. If I say some of the words, no one will know what I'm talking about. We have called a 411 and a 135. And they're all tools we use to track exactly what we need to be doing each week. And it sounds insane, but the numbers, help um you've got to yeah. stay on top of it yeah no it, it and it it i guess for someone who's like i'm i i believe for someone who doesn't have a fantastic life it seems insane what someone does to get a fantastic life but to get a fantastic life it would it would look a lot like you've got to eat great you've got to have a you've got to be working out and being active and fit you've got to be again planning personal time, planning fun time, planning work time. You've got to be always learning as you're doing. You've got to be, I, I can tell as well, you've had a real habit of gratefulness and gratitude, right? That's just something that is screaming here, you know, in our podcast, right? And, and um, you know, that's a really, that's something that you work on, right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't happen as humans. It's so easy to find things to criticize, find things to, that aren't right. Um, you know, because in everyone's life, there's things that aren't right. But I can just tell that you're always going back to, hey, what's wonderful? What's good? What can I be? What What am I blessed by? What am I grateful for? I can just tell. Is that true, Jamie? true. <laughs> I think when you go through such a life changing event, all of that just becomes even more real. Um, yeah. When you see people go through life changing things. And then when you get involved with people who are, are seeing on the ground reality outside of our comfortable Canada. I mean, yeah. it just becomes more real, especially when you're with a company that gets involved in stuff like that. I mean, I mentioned another piece of it, you know, I'll go back to what I'm talking about, about being grateful. Um, I mean, I, I, my friend, Jim, who's a CEO of a company in Toronto, runs a massive business. He's a pastor. He, is a public speaker and he on the side his sidekick thing is he's the co-founder of a self-sustained micro community called horizon in Kitali, kenya where hundreds of orphan children live that have nothing and they wow. purchase land in guatemala and they're looking at honduras and there's little girls living in a graveyard to escape 
the sex trade. I mean, when you hear stories like that, you're grateful to have clean water and food. It changes the perspective of what our problems actually are. Um, And when your kids get sick and your mom has happened, what happens, you're you're just like, hey, I'm up. I'm happy to be alive. Everything (laughs) is awesome. What's, What's happening today? And whose life can I impact and what do others need? How can I serve them? And um, I think that that's just, that's been a life changer for sure. And to go back to it, one of the things I learned from student works is to still have fun along the way. I mean, those are the other books I love to read. I told you the life is good brand. I love those guys. Yeah. Yeah. There's another book called thirst by a man named Scott Harrison. This guy, I mean, he had a crazy turnaround in his life. That's another amazing read. And it's a book about being grateful, um, what's out there in the world. And the Life is Good book is really the same kind of thing. Like, let's be happy. There's so much to be happy about. Um, And I love to surround myself with people like that. And I love to wake up and start my day because it's just, a happier place to be. I mean, you get two choices. Yes, you get two choices. <laughs> you know, we all have choices to make. And that's what yep. I like to make, even if things aren't always perfect. No, no. And, and yeah, they, and they aren't. And, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, again, life, life is good brand. Uh, both Jamie and I are huge fans of that. Um, you know, it's, it's basically really looking at life optimistically. That's really what it is. And, and that, that for our leaders, there's another great book called Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman and a Harvard professor and talks about that you can actually learn to be more optimistic and that most successful people are more optimistic. And that sometimes people who are not optimistic, they'll the pessimistic, they'll sort of say, well, I actually am clear um, and I see the world exactly correctly. Like, you know, I'm, I'm this good a baseball player. But they actually have done studies showing that the optimist who, who, who thinks that they're actually better than they are, because that's something that a lot of times an opt- optimist will believe, but that in fact, over time, they actually become that good and better because they've got that optimism. And so that that obviously impacts, especially in results oriented roles like we have here at Student Works and you have there at Keller Williams, that you're looking for people who are going out and, hey, how do we create value and 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 how do we make a difference in others lives? So so and, and one theme I want everyone to hear as well is, is it's consistent is is Jamie's not how am I can make more money? It's how can I go create more value, which, by the way, comes rounding back at her, even if she doesn't want it, um, but and she'll take it. But it really is about going and creating value. That's 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 what's that's that's what's great. And again, it 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 also just makes you feel more energetic. Right. Because you're just, hey, you're you're providing value in the world. So it's an awesome space. Yeah. And having fun. Right. Like you all yes. promoted that and yep. kept that a part of what I love to do. Um, yeah. I mean, we're a bunch of adults and we still have this company boat cruise we're going to go on. And I'm yeah. like, oh, let's look at doing another one in Muskoka on the Segwin and have a, <laughs> a 60s dance party or something cool. And we twist it in with, I mean, I brought this just to show you, but this is the flyer for the company boat cruise we're going to do. And we have an amazing Fantastic. top speakers, top our top agents in Canada. Um, and then all the money raised goes right to Horizon, that charity. And we're going to do the one in the spring towards the sending kids to camp. Like we just, we want to make it fun. 
We want to give back and we want to create amazing leaders with awesome values. And um, it's so exciting to see people thrive. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, and, and again, it is fun, right? Sorry. It can be fun, right? Why shouldn't it be fun? And, and, and you're so right. Like that's the culture we have in our business and it's just so much fun to be part of it. And people have a hard time pulling themselves away because it's so much fun. We create so much fun as, 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 as part of it. And part of that is we recruit people who are fun. So, so then it's, it's, it just, it just builds on it. So um, so one final question, Jamie, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? I think um, a leader of tomorrow is going to be somebody who is humble, somebody who's hungry and driven, and somebody who's very people-focused and smart. Uh, smart, not necessarily book smart. I mean, that helps having a bit of knowledge about the world, but um, someone that gets people and listens. And there's another guy that talks on that. It's Patrick Lencioni that has that concept. Yes. I think it's important to have all three of those things because when you see leaders that do, they're the ones that are really attracting an awesome crowd and not just attracting them, but keeping those people as customers, as friends, as business partners. Um, and you can see that they're not full of pride. They're not greedy for money. They aren't all about themselves. And when you can hit that nail and run with it, that's a leader. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I just, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, Jamie, uh, thanks so much for spending time making more of a contribution in your life. Cause I know this is going to be uh, really, really loved uh, just an awesome, awesome uh, contribution and a great podcast for our leaders. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.